May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. We want to make it at least an annual practice to revisit our vision. And the reason for that is that vision leaks. Uh, It is important to go back uh, over and over again to remind ourselves what we are about. And I had planned on having a short sermon series uh, in the fall. And then uh, Hurricane Irma came through. It didn't seem like that was pastorally appropriate uh, at the time. Uh, But now seems to be the good time. We had our annual parish meeting uh, earlier today. We have... um, uh, we have our, a new year ahead of us, so uh, now is the time to revisit our vision that Church of Our Savior exists to help people, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And so one of the things I want to impress upon you uh, over the next three weeks is, is that this is not just a vision for those out there. Uh, it is a vision also. For, the, for us uh, in here. In other words, this church exists. You are a, the, you're the church. You're gathered, uh, the, the gathered fellowship of Christ, Church of Our Savior, in, and you exist in, in community in order to help each other wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, it stands to reason that we could never uh, help people outside the church to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus if we are not also inside the church actively pursuing that relationship as well. So this is a statement, uh, but it's not only a missionary vision of how to reach people who are outside the church, but um, it is a vision for programming and a vision for discipleship, a vision for service that drives uh, what we offer Uh, for our church members, and a vision that shapes our worship and informs our preaching. It's a vision that drives financial decisions and shapes the, um, it's a vision that shapes where the vestry and the staff put their energies. We're all here to help each other, wherever we are in our spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you have been here for a week or whether you have been here for a lifetime. So one thing that uh, might be something of a stumbling block, as I have talked to people over the last uh, year or so about the vision, is exactly what do we mean by a relationship with Jesus, and especially uh, a relationship that is personal and intimate. And some people, I mean, and particularly some of the guys, maybe just think that's a little touchy-feely, right? That's a, maybe a little wimpy uh, to talk about. If someone says, I'm in a relationship in our culture, they're probably talking about a dating relationship. And that gets a little weird when we're talking about God, right? So um, what we're saying when we talk about this is that, that God is relational. Uh, God is, uh, his nature is to be related to. Uh, To say we want a friendship with God sounds a little too familiar. We know that there's an authority structure, but we know that there's love involved as well. So over the next three weeks, we want to ask these three questions. This week, we'll ask the question, what do we mean by a relationship with Jesus Christ? Next week, we'll ask, 
how do we live into a relationship with Jesus Christ? And in week three, in two weeks, we'll ask, uh, what does a relationship with Jesus Christ produce? So this week, what do we mean by a relationship with Jesus? And to answer that question, I want us to take a look at the gospel passage from Luke chapter 5. By all accounts, Simon Peter was a pretty manly dude. Uh, He was a fisherman, and they didn't have any gas-powered motors. They didn't have any electric pulleys. Uh, He was uh, no doubt a man of powerful arms and calloused hands. He rowed his own boat. He threw his own nets. He caught his own fish. He cleaned his own fish. He went to market. He made his own living, right? He was a man's man. He knew his business, and he was good at it. And then this preacher shows up and tells him how to do his job. Don't you hate when that happens? Preacher. (sighs) Preachers. Uh, After he has uh, spent a a really unsuccessful night fishing, he's been up all night, didn't catch anything, he's tired, he's frustrated, Jesus tells Peter, he's tired and frustrated, he says, hey, why don't you let down your nets for a catch? Jesus probably sounded, I think, pretty naive to Peter. Faith in Christ often, initially, seems pretty naive, doesn't it? I'm doing fine. What what, what would Jesus be able to offer me that I can't provide for myself? Now, Peter did already know who Jesus was because Jesus had healed his mother-in-law. And um, I can... Uh, hear Peter's wife calling from the shore. She sees Peter hesitating when Jesus says, and Peter said, uh, his wife calling, Peter, Simon, do it. He healed mama. Um, <laughs> it's just speculative. I just, I just, there's probably therapy needed in there somewhere. But, um, <laughs> So he does. You know, it's not unusual, right, for a guy to come to Jesus because his wife puts a little pressure on him. We've heard that story before. But Peter lets down the nets. And what comes back up? More fish than Simon Peter has ever seen. So many fish that it took two boats to get it in, and they began to sink under the weight of the fish. Now, we're not given specifics in this passage, but a typical Galilean fishing boat was 26 feet long and 8 feet wide and and 4.5 feet deep. That's a lot of fish. It's a lot of fish. And let me ask you, how would you expect for Peter to respond and react when Jesus fills his net with fish. I mean, you would think it would be euphoria, right? Wow! Thank you so much! I mean, he's a fisherman. This is the biggest catch he's ever seen or heard of. Uh, I mean, how, he doesn't know how he's going to get these fish to the shore, much less to the market. This one catch can make him rich. Wouldn't you think that he'd be excited? And we get the opposite from Peter. Peter saw the massive catch and it says he fell down at Jesus' knees. He's face down in the fish. 
He's face down in a boat full of blessing. And he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I mean, something in this exchange confronts Peter with an overwhelming sense of his unworthiness. You got the wrong guy, Jesus. I mean, you don't know who I am, really. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. Because if you did, a holy man like you wouldn't want anything to do with a guy like me. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Jesus' blessing and his provision got behind Peter's facade of self-sufficiency. And it exposed his insecurity and his shame. And we go to great lengths, don't we, to hide the dark stuff. To hide the secret sins and the hateful thoughts and the things that our family just doesn't talk about. We pile up good works and bright smiles on top so thick enough that nobody can see underneath. And the tension is enough to make us crazy. But what else are we going to do? I mean, show people? <laughs> Not a chance. Especially at church. What would people think? Because we know that if we were to be found out and our dark stuff would be exposed, we would be face down in the fish with Peter. And once again, we have a passage that shows us with uncomfortable clarity that to God, all hearts are open, all desires known. And from him, no secrets are hid. For Peter and for us, Jesus busts through the facade. And, you know, I actually think that's, that's what keeps people away from Christian faith more than anything. I mean, people can talk all they want to about their problems with institutional religion, or uh, they can talk about their intellectual difficulties or the scientific improbability of resurrection But every single person who says these things was made by God, for God, in God's image. And somewhere down in the recesses of our subconscious, we know that we have got our guard up for a good reason. And God's going to bust through that if we get too close. And we're going to end up face down in the fish. And yet for each one of us, what... Jesus does not say to Peter is just as important as what he he does say. Because he does not say, oh, oh, Simon, I, I, I had no idea you were a sinful man. He is not ignorant of Peter's sin. He doesn't say, all right, Simon, you want me to go? I'll go. See you later. He does not abandon Peter because of his sin. And he doesn't say, oh, Simon, There, there, it's not as bad as you think. You really don't have anything to be ashamed of. He does not deny Peter's sin. He doesn't downplay our sin. Because sin is a big deal in thought, word, and deed, and not just that, but in the irrepressible inclination that we each have to steer ourselves away from the will of God in favor of our own will. But Jesus knew something that Peter did not. Jesus knew that he himself would die for Peter's sin. 
that he himself would take upon him the full himself the full penalty of Simon Peter's sins that Simon Peter deserved, and just as he has died for you and for me, and he has traded the curse of our unrighteousness, unrighteousness for the benefit of his righteousness. And so he can say to Peter, with all the love and compassion of God, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. See, sin creates shame. Shame creates fears. Fear of being found out. Fear of not being accepted for what we've done. Fear of God's judgment. And fear gets our guard up. Whether it comes off as bravado, or stoicism, or workaholism, or anger, sometimes sweetness. And yet it is the character and the nature of God to bypass our best defenses and offer us mercy instead of judgment. To offer us grace and strength and forgiveness instead of punishment and shame. But Jesus doesn't just free us from the shame because once we're freed, He actually incorporates us into His plan and uses us to accomplish His will. He says to Peter, from now on, you're going to be catching people. You catch them, I'll clean them. (laughs) Think about that. I mean, isn't that amazing? I mean, just a minute ago, Peter was begging Jesus to get out of his presence. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And instead of giving Peter judgment, Jesus gives Peter grace. He gives him total, unconditional acceptance that Peter has not earned and that he does not deserve. Peter has never experienced anything like this grace. It's not the catch of fish that wins Peter over. It's the unconditional acceptance. And it wins Peter completely. And he leaves everything to follow Jesus. Everything, including two boats full of fish. He says to Jesus, listen, I'm with you. I am with you now, Jesus. And friends, that's what we, what we mean when we're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is strong. It is freeing. It is incorporating. And I mean, it's right to think of it as loving, but it's not correct to think of that love as soft or romantic. It's personal because God knows you and you know God. It's intimate because there's a depth to this knowing and an unparalleled closeness. Like what St. Paul prays for the Ephesians in our passage. He prays that uh, that He may grant you, he's talking to the Ephesians, uh, but he's really speaking about us as well, that He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. That's intimacy. Through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And it is the express purpose of this church to offer you continually this fullness. And to continually lift up Christ as more wonderful than anything else that competes for the allegiance and the affections of our hearts. That you may know Christ and may take comfort 
continually that you are known and loved by Him. And that you gain that comfort regularly by worship that is centered in word and sacrament. By joining together in fellowship with others. By regular Bible study through service inside the church and service to the community. That's the vision. It's a vision indeed for those out there. We are under no impression that everyone who ought to be here is already here. And yet it is for you too, without exception, offering you every week, every day, a relationship with Christ. We are here to help each other wherever we find ourselves in our spiritual journey, even if you're face down in the fish, into a personal an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen?